You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Uh, we're going to dive into the scriptures now. So if you're in your Bibles, um, open them up again to Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Pastor Bill's going to come and preach to us out of this passage where Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is God's word. You know, we are in a series, before I bring Pastor Bill up, we're in a series called Freedom. We're looking at um, how Jesus, the rescuer, throughout the whole of scriptures, Jesus is the rescuer. He's the main character throughout the whole entire, um, uh, the, the whole entirety of the scriptures. And he leads us out of our Egypt, out of our slavery, into this promised life. And so we've been, we've been starting each week with a testimony of this. Um, with, with one of you, just, just everyday people that are coming up and saying, this is what Jesus has done in my life to set me free. And so we have the privilege of hearing from our sister, Melissa Cran. She's going to come and share a testimony of something that Jesus has done in her life to bring her to a place of freedom. I, uh, I stand before you today convinced that I'm a beloved daughter of God, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, Part of that is I was really good at hiding things. I get very secretive within myself, so much so that I also did a pretty good job of ignoring things about myself as well. Um, so it was about four years ago that I could no longer deny to myself that I am same-sex attracted or gay. And as I got honest about what I was experiencing, um, I had known I had had these desires since childhood. And as I kind of went through this process, um, I became very anxious. I pretty much was convinced that I was just condemned by God and by the church. And that at the same time, there would be no way for me to be able to control my sexual desires and live faithfully for Jesus. And I was terrified to tell anybody. I wanted to do what was right. and I, But I feared backlash for even opening my mouth about homosexuality. But a moment did come. I did find a safe person to confess to in this church. I was met with a lot of warmth and grace. I began counseling. I began seeking to unload a lot of things that had gone on in my life, 
sec- my sexuality, among other things. Um, I began to just prayerfully study the scripture and theology. I began reading the stories of other Christians who had lived faithfully to Jesus in a lot of different settings and ways. And it was this study and it was these testimonies and the honest conversations with some very close friends and that helped me believe that Jesus had forgiven me. And that it was still possible for me to actually walk as Jesus' disciple. Um, and the biggest thing is I found Jesus faithful. He kept showing up with mercy every morning. And just for as much fear and anxiety as I had, I found Jesus willing to engage with me in the Bible and prayer. And I found the Holy Spirit very faithful, empowering me to put, submit my desires to him and put him first and my identity as his child and as his disciple above any other thing I was feeling. And so I can say that I'm free and that I know I'm convinced that by the Holy Spirit I can live as he's called me to live. Melissa, thank you. You are an unbelievable woman of courage. I'm proud of two things. That Melissa would have the courage to stand up and be so transparent and honest about her personal struggle. And I am so pleased that she trusts this church and this faith community to share her heart with all of you. And that takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of trust. That takes a lot of faith. That takes a lot of risk. But I am so thankful that Life Church is the kind of place and has the culture where you and I can share our deepest struggles and our hardest battles and our most difficult circumstances, not only before God, but with one another. And we can love each other through this to the place of victory. And so all of you who have given testimonies thus far, you've amazed me with your, your courage uh, and your trust of this church. And I, I do not doubt for one moment that that trust continues to grow and build among us, and even more so as all of you are sharing your struggles and your battles. And this is a place where you and I can find freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ together. Amen? Amen. So thank you, Melissa, so much. I really admire you today, and I appreciate uh, your courage and your trust in us. Today we're going to talk about this battle of the spirit and of the flesh. We're going to talk about where we are, where we need to land, where we need to live in this this place, if you will. Um, there's a story that's told. I've told this story before in Life Church, I'm sure, more than, than once. But there's a story that's told of, of a young, brave uh, young boy 
sitting out on the rocks in the plains by a stream. His grandfather was sitting down from him and noticed him as he came and sat down on the rocks. And uh, he was upset. He was angry, very angry. He was angry with, with another little brave who had done him an injustice. And um, he, uh, he just couldn't seem to get away from it. He couldn't seem to, to, to get over it, okay? And so the grandfather walks over, and he, he understands what has happened. He knows what's, what's gone on. And so he begins to speak to his, his grandson, and he says, let me tell you a story. He says, I too uh, at times have felt a great hate for those who have taken so much with no sorrow for what they do. He says, but hate wears you down, and it does not hurt your enemy. It's like taking poison and wishing your enemy would die. He says, I've struggled with these feelings many times, young brave. And he continued on and he said, it's as if there are two wolves inside me. One is good and does no harm. He lives in harmony with all around him and he does not take offense when no offense is intended. He will only fight when it's right to fight and he will do it the right way. Oh, but the other wolf... He's full of anger. The littlest thing will set him into a fit of temper. He fights everyone all the time for no reason. He cannot think because of his anger and because his hate is so great. It is helpless anger, for his anger will change nothing. And he goes on to say, sometimes it's hard to live with these two wolves inside of me, for both of them try to dominate my spirit. He's captured the attention of his grandson. And the little brave looks up at him and he says, Grandfather, tell me something. Which one wins? Which one wins? And his grandfather looked down at him and he said, The one I feed. That is the one that lives. That is the one that wins. The one I feed. God has not put you and I in this earth realm to just simply battle and battle and battle and never win. But God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be your victory. And we do. We live in this place just as we read about here in Galatians 5 where there is this battle that goes on between uh, flesh and, and between spirit. And so this morning for a few minutes we want to talk about what does it mean to walk in the flesh? And what does it mean to, to walk in the Spirit? And, and what can, can the Bible really tell us about the difference between these two? What does the Word of God really say about this? So let's start out this morning by talking about this idea, this, this concept of walking in the Spirit. And what, is that, what does that really look like? Paul addresses walking in the Spirit here with a capital S, which, which means that the word Spirit here is a proper noun, meaning that this is God's Holy Spirit, all right? And, and we find if we, if we look through the Scriptures, we see these places where we are called to walk in the Spirit, and where the Holy Spirit is to be manifesting within our lives. 
Colossians chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles out, turn to Colossians chapter 1 and look at verses 9 and 10. He says, and so from the day we heard, Paul says, we have not ceased to pray for you. We, we are praying for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, meaning the Father's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is what we are trying to attain here, okay? So as to walk in the manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, if, if we as believers are walking, in other words, if we, if we are living out life, to walk here in this context is to, to live a way of life, all right? We're, we're walking in a certain way. We're living a certain kind of life, if you will, all right? So if we are living out this life in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, all right? In other words, if we are fully pleasing to Him, then something is going to be evident about us. There's going to be something that someone can lay a finger on. There's something that someone can, can see or observe about us, and that is that we will bear fruit in every good work, and we will increase in the knowledge of God, all right? We, really what he's saying is we will live in a mode of discipleship. We will be growing. We will be maturing. And there's, there's certain fruit that is going to be evident in our lives if we are walking in the Spirit. So someone walking in the Spirit of God is producing this kind of, of good fruit and proving by their walk that they are growing in the knowledge of God, that they are increasing, that they are maturing. All right. So this should be evident in my life and your life People should see us growing. People should see transformation going on in our lives if we are walking in the Spirit. This isn't just about a to-do list and a, and a, a, a not-to-do list. This isn't about a law and the Spirit of grace, but, but it is about a constant transformation that is going on in our lives, and either we are growing and maturing and producing fruit or coming to that place of maturation or where we are producing fruit, or we are not. We're either staying where we are or we're diminishing in some way. And so what Paul is saying is that, is that individuals who are following God and, and walking in the Spirit, they are going to, out of necessity and primarily, have a thirst and a hunger for the Word of God, to, to be reading the Word of God, to be studying the Bible, to be hearing Bible teaching, uh, to understand uh, the, that there is consequence in not growing and, and not maturing. So what we're really saying is we're coming back to these disciplines that we've already preached about, but you and I, there needs to be some evidence that we are actually growing in this place. This is the experience of King David. When, when King David had this hunger and this thirst, he wrote about it in Psalm 42. He says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, <laughs> for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, there's this, there's this sense, there's this desire that is going on inside of King David. He wants to be with the Lord. He wants to experience this time with God. In some way, he wants to connect with God. 
And, and this gives us this amazing imagery, this picture that we have here is, is this deer that is, is in some sense like running towards the stream. This deer is, is panting. This deer is longing, desiring to taste this water. Let me ask you something. When is the last time you really desired the presence of God? When is the last time you really longed to put something else aside in your life and say, you know what, I so want God right now that I'm going to lay this down or I'm going to lay that down. When did, when did God become more valuable than your to-do list? When, when did God become more valuable than the latest update on your Facebook page? In other words, when have you expressed by your fruitfulness, by your action, by your walk, that God is more valuable to you than anything else. And so suddenly, when we start talking about this sort of thing, we have to really examine our value system. Where have we placed God? Where have we put Him in our walk? And are we really thirsty for Him? Are we really hungry for Him? Because, you see, if we hunger for Him, we will devour His Word. We will be spiritually there to, to, to partake of that bread that we need to sustain us. I've heard so many of you on a Sunday when we throw it all out on the counter and we get rid of the chairs and throw the tables out and the food starts to come out and the crock pots start to open and you start to smell all of those savory smells and those fragrances start to mix in the room. I hear so many of you, you say just, just crazy things like, God, I'm hungry. Well, God knows you're hungry. But what you're saying is, there's something in me. There's desire in me. I need something. It's amazing how many of you have responses to Susan's cinnamon rolls on Sunday morning. You know what I'm talking about right now. Some of you never came early to church before. But now you are at the door. We barely get it unlocked, you know, and you're there. You know, you're waiting. And doesn't it smell great? You know, there's nothing like waking up late and getting here tight, and there's still a cinnamon roll in the pan. It's like, yes, God, you love me. Because there's a desire. There's a hunger. And what I'm trying to say to you is that is something that you and I have to cultivate Spurgeon said often, he said, we're not justified by the manner of our walk, and that is absolutely the truth. He says, we're justified by being in Christ Jesus. But then the question becomes, what does it mean to live in Christ Jesus? How, how do we live in Christ, okay? So let's break that down just a little bit here this morning. First of all, let's look at, at walking in the flesh. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 22. So look, look there. Paul says to the Galatians, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience 
and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. He says, against such things there is no law. <laughs> and those who belong to Christ Jesus, in other words, those who are in Christ, look at what he says, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All right, so, so he lists these attributes, if you will, but then he says, those of us who are experiencing the, this fruit, all right, we belong to Christ Jesus, but we belong to Christ Jesus if we have crucified the flesh and its passion and its desire. What happened to Christ when he was crucified? He died. He died. What happens when you crucify passions and desires? They die. They die. The problem for you and I is that we tend to do to our passions and our desires what the Father did to the Son. We resurrect them. We keep allowing them to resurface. We keep allowing them to come back. How do we do that? We feed them. We give them something that draws life up. It, it calls to them. All right? Guys, you don't want to fulfill the lust of your flesh? Then don't go to that website. Don't, don't. here's the thing. I'm, just, I'm going to talk to the guys for just a minute. Some of you are struggling with pornography. All right, J John's isn't the only testimony on pornography. Okay, we all, we all know that. So let's, just, let's be honest, let's be real here. Some of you guys are struggling with pornography even now, all right? And you're battling this, flesh against spirit, all right? But some of you, you're going in there at night and you're sitting down with your computer in a dark room and you're, you're just vegging out on, on porn, all right? You're binging. You're just binging on porn, all right? And, and the reason that you're doing that is because you're familiar with that place. And even though you've said, God, I don't want to do this. God, forgive me. God, I don't want to be in this place. The battle still continues to happen. All right, but the battle doesn't happen when you turn the light off and lay down in your bed and, and that computer is right there. And that's where that computer is. It's right there by your bed because when you came home from wherever you were that day, class or work or whatever, you brought your computer home with you. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that, but you brought your computer in and you put it down there right beside your bed so you could get to it, so you could reach it really easily, all right? So there's already a premeditated work that's going on that maybe you aren't even really totally aware of, but you're doing these things because they are habit, all right? There are things that have been going on, and it's ways for the enemy to trap you, all right? And, and because we're not walking clearly in the Spirit, we yield to these fleshly places and decisions that are really skewed and really messed up. But the computer is not the problem. The problem is that earlier in the night, you chose to watch a television show or you read something in a, in a, in a book that, that tripped that desire, that lust of the flesh in you, and you begin to entertain that in your mind. And so you begin to build this scenario within your own mind that begin to feed something within your soul. 
And as you did that, you then went to that place where you've already made it easy for you to fulfill that sinful lust by your bed with your computer. And that scenario happens over and over and over again because we're feeding that. We're feeding that. Rather than prayer, rather than the study of God's word, rather than a brother of accountability and these kinds of things, that's where we find ourselves. And guys, that is walking in the flesh, a lifestyle of the flesh. And we've got we've to pull ourselves out of that, all right? But see, in the same way as living by the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit is, is walking in the Spirit or being controlled by the Spirit of God, it, it's not yielding our body to, to, the, to the flesh and, and these passions and, and desires. And, and we can come against that. We can cut that off. We can, we can stop that, all right? Paul reveals that the, the, the evidence of a believer is faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these various fruits that he's talked about and identified here, and, and he's saying those belong to Christ, all right? Those, those, those precious fruits are what is in Christ. And if you, if you can't live there, if you don't live there, uh, then you won't be able to crucify the flesh. You, you will continue walking in the flesh. But he says, walking by the Spirit doesn't gratify these desires of the flesh. All right? I'm not saying you won't get tempted. I'm not saying you won't have to fight some battles. But what I'm saying is, if we are in the Spirit, we're not going to continually find ourselves gratifying those fleshly desires. And that's where we begin to, to live. That's where we begin to, to transform, if you will, all right? And, and, and I want you to understand something. In these passages that I'm reading to you today, and they are strong words for us, okay, Paul is not painting a picture here of some vast, vague valley of decision here, all right? Either you are or you're not. Either you're in the Spirit or you're in the flesh. It's not like, well, way over here, I'm in the flesh, and way over there is in the Spirit. And so for the next 10 or 12 years, I'm going to meander along here and navigate my way through all of this, and I'm going to have ups and downs and, and moral failures and one thing and another, and eventually, hopefully, I will get there, and hopefully I will do so before Jesus returns. That's no way to live. That's being buffeted by the flesh. That's allowing the enemy to have a, 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 a portal, if you will, to, to hook up to you and to feed you and to keep you down and to hold you captive, and you're never going to be set free in that place. No. Paul is saying, according to Scripture, you're one or the other. You're in or out. You're flesh or spirit. This is how you walk. And the fruit of your walk, of your life, is the indicator of where you really, really are. And that has to be the challenge for you and I, is that, that at some point we, we let God speak to us honestly and forthrightly about where we are. When we are not walking in the Spirit of God, we will be gratifying the desires of the flesh. So that's the difference, all right? It's, it's one or it is the other. The fruits are, are the works we produce give evidence of whether we are walking in the Spirit or walking in the flesh. 
That's how we can know where we are. That's how we can know who we are, all right? So, so the very big question for you and I here is, is when we are presenting evidence, all right, presenting proof, because, because that, that really is what giving evidence is. It's presenting the proof of something that we are declaring. And if you are declaring that you are a son of God or a daughter of God, if you are declaring that you are a follower of Christ, if you are declaring that you are in Christ, what does the evidence of your life show? What does it speak to? What is it presenting about you? What does it say about you and I as God's people? Where are we? Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. All right, but the weapons of our warfare, as God's people, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. We destroy every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to obey Christ. Do you see where we're living? We are ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. All right, we're, we're, what am I talking about? I'm talking about this place right here. There is a battle in your mind long before it manifests in your flesh. And that's where we have got to be operative is in taking captive the thoughts, subduing the mind, all right, disqualifying and exposing the lies of the enemy, casting down these things that try to set themselves up against the very nature of God. And so we've got to understand that there is a place here where we have got to live and we have got to war. And we do that in Christ because there we have his weapons, the power of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. If God can raise his son from the dead and set you free from sin, that same God will keep you. He will hold you in that place. He will provide a way out. He will give an opportunity for you to be able to overcome the enemy and the adversary. He will give you the strength that you need, the wisdom that you need, and the strategy that you need so that you don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh in your life. Now, let's take it a little bit further. What, and this is where the scriptures really hit hard, but they hit home. Let's look at the consequences of walking in the flesh. Because, see, Paul had a really great concern for all the churches that they not walk in the flesh because those consequences, good people of God, are very severe. And that, that includes the wages of a walk in the flesh, which is death. He continues to talk in Romans chapter 8 beginning at, at verse 4, says he condemns sin in the flesh. And we cannot walk, okay, um, we, we cannot walk according to the flesh. Because if we do, that's where we set our mind. We set our mind on the things of the flesh. But if we are, if we are going to live according to the Spirit, then we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. You have to be intentional about this. We're talking about freedom here. We're talking about deliverance here, all right? Some of you have been in bondage to things your entire life. 
And you've got to be able to have this strategy out of these places. Matter of fact, he goes on to say here that the, the, the mind that, that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. I, I know that it is not in your heart to be hostile towards God. But what the scripture says is that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You and I cannot please God when we are continually, habitually living in sinful places. When the decisions of our life are constantly over and over the choices of the flesh, we cannot please God in that place. We, can, we cannot be pleasing to him. That separates us. And I know these are very strong words here. This is a sober message that Paul is delivering to the church. But you got to understand, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 12, it says that, that, that because Jesus died for us, by the death of Jesus for us, we are debtors, not to the flesh. In other words, we're not to live according to the flesh. But it, folks, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if it's by the Spirit, you put, to, you put to death the deeds of the body, and there in that you will live and have life. Do you see, this is something where you have to cooperate with God. You cannot just sit in a chair and say, okay, God, I, I, I accept you, I'm saved, and now I'll have no more battles, and there'll be no more problems, and there'll be no more issues. No, you have to take responsibility for your part in this, and you, you need to seek after God. You and I need to be running towards God. Because we have to understand that living in the flesh results in death. And that should motivate us. That should inspire us to say, you know what? I'm not just going to walk. I'm going to run. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to follow hard after God because I'm going to live by the Spirit and put to death the deeds of the body or the flesh. In other words, I want to live. I, I, I want to follow God. I, I want to run, run hard after God, if you will. And I think Paul was persuaded of a much better things for us than sometimes we are. He says to us in, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, he says, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. This is your identity. This is my identity. This is where we live. But Paul, Paul goes a little further. He says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Now, this is where it gets hard. This is where it gets pointed and, and, and blunt, if you will, all right? So this is where you, it comes down to you and I having to ask honest questions and take an honest look, an honest assessment of our lives. Where are we walking? What are we living in? Getting back to, to Paul's letter to the Galatians in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It, it, it's not hard to understand. It's hard to live it out, okay? But this is where God wants you and I to be. He wants you and I to be able to say, okay, yeah, we have temptations. We have desires. We have things that, that, that want to rule. They want to, to move in us. This is exactly what Melissa was trying to, to share with you today, all right? And some of those things you're going to wrestle with possibly the rest of your mortal life here on earth, all right? I'm not trying to paint you some some persona here or, or, or some kind of easy way out here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be honest and real with you. You're going to be 
in this battle. You're going to be tempted. There are things that are going to affect you because you're wired a certain way or, or you had traumatic things in your childhood or you're predisposed to certain desires and, and, and situations, okay? Those things are there. But God is saying, by my spirit, all right, you can overcome. And so you and I have to position ourselves and strategically do so so that we are not entering into these works that are, are very evident as, as fruit, all right, that, that something is, is not right, something is wrong, that we're out of sync, we're not walking in the Spirit. And a number of those are listed, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dem, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and other things like this. It's not a complete list. Our works. Our fruits show which spirit we're walking in. And we are one or the other. Let me sum it up here for you this morning. Those who have the spirit of God produce fruits that reveal whether they are a child of God or not. And if there is no spiritual fruit, my friend, God is not your father. It's that simple. It's that simple. I preached to you grace and law last week. And I hope I helped you understand that you're not under the law. And I'm not trying to put you back under law today. Heaven forbid that I would do that. Or that any other person would do that. Or that this church would do that. All right? You're not under the law. But the fact that you are free from the law doesn't mean that you are free to break the law. All right? And so there is a place where we, we, we have to live here. And if there is no spiritual fruit in your life, if there is no evidence of God in your life, of you being a child of God, then God is not your father. Listen to me. Those who walk in the Spirit have indeed crucified the flesh. And, and, and we don't anymore submit ourselves to the desires of the flesh. That does not mean that there are not failures. It doesn't mean that there are not problems or that there are not mistakes, but there is quick recovery and few and, and, and far are, are they from one another, all right? We, we're not living in this habitual place of fulfilling the desire of our flesh, all right? But, but those who, who don't walk in the Spirit, if, if you are in that place, you are actually grieving the Spirit, all right? And, and whatever works you are doing, you're producing nothing more than what you've already earned, and that is death. You can do good things, you can do noble things, but if you are not from Christ, in Christ, and if you are not walking in His Spirit, that fruit will produce nothing but death in your life. Those who walk in the flesh live according to the flesh, and so they prove what they do by their own works. And in the same way, you and I, when we walk in the Spirit and we produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, it is evidence that we are indeed the children of God, sons and daughters of God, that we are of the family of God. Those who walk in the flesh produce these very things that were described here and others. But if you walk in the Spirit, that does not hold gratification for you. This is part of, part of what I want you to understand. Something 
in you and I must die if we are to follow Christ. And that is only one thing, and that is our own flesh, our own desire. We have to crucify it. We have to put it down. Let me wrap this up for you this morning. If you've never been born again, then the wrath of God is abiding on you. And not one of your best works, not one of your most noble causes can please God because those who are in the flesh cannot please God according to Romans 8.8. 8. So you can have good works, you can do good things, but if you're not walking in the Spirit, you are not of the Father. You have not been adopted into the kingdom of God. And, and if that's the case, what you have done is by your decision, you've rejected Christ. And if you have done that indeed, then, then you have rejected your hope of eternal life. And if you stand before God in that place, in that position, you will be condemned to an eternal hell. You say, Pastor, you're getting really hard and pointed. You're right, I am. I wrestled with this message. I don't want you and I to live in bondage any longer, and I don't want to, to stand before God and, and, and be told that one of you died and went to hell. So, so I am telling you, Everyone has sinned according to Romans 3.23. Jesus came to this earth and was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life and, and became sin for us so that God the Father could look at us, so God the Father could, could accept us. And he doesn't see our sinfulness, but he sees the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to us his righteousness has been given to us. If we are in the Spirit, then the Son stands between us and the Father. And the Father only sees us through the Son. And the works of righteousness manifest in us. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in us. And so I'm saying to you today, God does not want you to live in bondage. Your freedom is here. It is here now. It is, it is waiting for you and I. And we can, we can live in this freedom if we will live in Christ. And, and maybe you started there somewhere a long time ago, but it all got messed up and it all got skewed. Well, come home. Come home. Don't stay in that place. Don't, don't live in that kind of bondage. Don't let the enemy put that on you. All right? Live in the right place. Once again, repent. Once again, come back to this place of God's great salvation in your life. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let us be men and women of the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit be upon us. All right, let's walk in that kind of place. And that's what I, I want to invite you to today, all right? I want those who are on the prayer team to come up and stand with me this morning.
Maybe you've not heard a message like this before. But I believe that that God is speaking to us as a church that we are going to be a people who are going to live in, in a wonderful place of freedom. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know, I don't know what to do. All you have to do is ask Jesus to bring you into life with him through the forgiveness of your sins. And he will do that. He will forgive you. He will forgive you. And maybe you're saying, well, I did that, but I've been having this struggle, and this has been going on in my life. It's been perpetuating in my life. I believe, I believe with all of my heart that today the chains can come off of you. I believe that today by the power of the Holy Spirit you can be set free. And if you will let others in the body of Christ get around you and pray with you and encourage you and counsel you and disciple you, you can walk in that freedom as you, as you hunger and thirst for God, as you seek after Him, and you put yourself intentionally in that process of seeking God and not fulfilling the flesh, you can walk in this victory. You can have that today. And so I want to pray for you, and I want to invite you. I want to ask you to come. Come up to the front here and, and let one of these people pray for you. Let me pray for you. Let somebody in, all right, and let us pray with you and love you and care about you today. Because I'm going to tell you what, you and I both know honestly that Melissa Cran is not the only person who needs to share where they've been. You and I have a story, and I want that story to end up with you walking in the Spirit and no longer fulfilling the lust of your flesh but you are victorious as a child of God. You are walking in your true identity. You are, as I remember what I said about Jack, I'm so clean, I squeak. That's what I want God to do for all of us. Let me pray for you. And if you need prayer, please come and let us pray for you today. Otherwise, you will be dismissed. Amen. Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. And I ask you to open our eyes to where we truly are in our own hearts. God, show us the, the, the very condition of our heart today in such a way that it, it calls to us, it draws to us to, to, to run to you. I pray, Father, that we could experience the powerful love of the Father in the spirit of adoption today, that we could see ourselves as sons and daughters and that we could desire to, to follow you and, and, and to live in Christ and to, to walk in the power of the Spirit and, and evidence that kind of fruit and that we would no longer be tossed about. We would no longer be filled with shame and, and guilt. We would no longer fear rejection and misunderstanding. But rather today, Father, we would live in the truth and the power of your word, that we would be people who are set free, and that our freedom, Lord, would give us the ability to submit ourselves to you, to become your bondservant, to love you so deeply that we would obey you and follow hard after you. God, I ask you that you would bring the spirit of conviction upon us and help us to see where we really are today.
And then I ask you for your power to not only confess, but to repent and that we may follow you in all of our life, giving you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You are free to go if you need to. If you would like prayer, I would love to pray with you today.